0: Okay, what comes to mind when you think of Scandinavia? Great education systems, the world's happiest people, healthy work-life balance, maybe? Well, one man, a British transplant living in Denmark, didn't buy it. So he's trying to set the record straight about his adoptive homeland. Michael Booth is the author of a new book titled The Almost Nearly Perfect People, Behind the Myth of the Scandinavian Utopia. And when I spoke with him, he started by telling me the real definition of that word, utopia.
1: It literally means in Greek, does not exist. Does it? Yeah. So this is my message to everyone. It's so utopia sad. doesn't exist, unfortunately. <laughs> and it certainly doesn't up- exist up here in the chilly north.
0: You are coming to this as an outsider, but you do make your home in this part of the world.
1: By choice. Yeah, almost of my own free will. I'm married to a Danish <laughs> woman and Scandinavian women are pretty strong and you generally just do what they tell you to do, and my wife told me to come and live with her in Denmark, so I, I did.
0: So let's walk through a big a few of the big points in the book. One of the first things I think Americans in particular think of when you talk about Scandinavia is the social welfare system and the correspondingly high taxes that go with it. What about this? Part of the culture plays into
1: the myth. Let's take Denmark, for example. The income tax is about, top rate is just over 50%, but there's all sorts of other very heavy taxes. 50%? Most people reckon about three quarters of your income ends up in the state's coffers. What do you get for it? Well, exactly. That's the quid pro quo, isn't it? What you get is free education, very cheap preschool care, functioning public transport, a free health service, all the things that many Americans dream of now, the big question is, you're paying the highest taxes in the world. Is the education system the best in the world? Is the, the hospitals the best in the world? No, they're not.
0: Let's just stay in Denmark for the time being. Are Danes satisfied with the status
1: quo? Actually, that's the perfect word for the Danes. You may have heard they're supposed to be the happiest people in the world. Right? Yeah. And they, they have regularly topped these happiness rankings. They haven't actually in the last few years. They've dropped dramatically in line with their economy. So I'm afraid... The side message here is money does make you happy. But I've spoken to some of these people who are behind these ranking lists, and they secretly admit it's not about happiness, but they just use the word happy to grab the headlines. It's really, as you say, it's about satisfaction and contentedness. And the Danes are massively content.
0: You spend a good portion of time in the book talking about the issue of immigration. How have these countries learned to integrate immigrant populations, which have done it really well and which ones have not?
1: Oh, that's a long... I mean, how long have you got to talk about this? It's a very complex subject, and it differs really from country to country because you have Sweden, which has had basically an open-door policy. They've welcomed many thousands of refugees from Syria, incredibly impressive humanitarian gesture. On the other hand, they have problems. They have ghettos. They have crime levels that are getting uh, quite excessive. And in the last election, their far-right party, the Sweden Democrats, which has its roots in the neo-Nazi party, scored 13% of the popular vote. And then we have Norway, where there were the tragic events of the Anders Bering Breivik uh, terrorist attack.
0: We should just remind people that, that happened in, in 2011.
1: That's right. His kind of beef was with multiculturalism, as he saw it in Norway.
0: You take a look at the cultural historic differences among these countries i mean we in america i think in particular are guilty of just kind of lumping them all together i was fascinated to learn that uh the norwegians kind of get short shrift
1: yeah i thought of scandinavians as just one one big homogenous bearded you know cycling maybe with a pipe but they are radically different even within sweden you're right the norwegians they are kind or traditionally were thought of as the country bumpkin but then in the 70s, they struck oil. So they are now the Beverly Hillbillies. If there is a God, he has a great sense of humor because he gave the cash to the Norwegians. You
0: know? <laughs> when you go back to Britain or visit other parts of the world, what do you end up missing about the North?
1: I don't miss the licorice and the marzipan, which you can't avoid here. What do I miss? Oh, God. Oh, God. oh I do love Denmark, honestly. It's great. <laughs> Let me think of something. The beer? Oh, yeah. The bit? No, I don't really like beer. No, very okay. Much. Um, there is a fantastic new Nordic food movement here, and I write a lot about food. So there, yeah, that's that, that's what I miss. All right, Michael Booth.
0: His new book is called "The Almost Nearly Perfect People," behind the myth of the
1: Scandinavian utopia. Hey, Michael! Thanks so much. Oh, there's always one question I've never been asked before. You really got me there. Is that but, true? But, you know, apart from my family, obviously, <laughs> and friends. This has really stumped you. It's terrible. Come, Come on. on. Are Come there having mountains? they an existential crisis. They have nice beaches. Coffee? No, I don't drink coffee. <laughs> but you're right. They have the best coffee in the world. I'll say that next time someone asks me.